God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from the Lord. One side is right, one side is green. You know, it's not right till it's right. Amen. So we're going to get started today in James chapter 5, right? Are we still at 4? We just in chapter 4? Okay. All right. Well, let's do this. I'm ready for 5 today, so let's go for 5. We'll go back to 4 next week. We'll go back to 4 next week. Well, we discussed 4 a little bit, but let's go, let's go to 5. Because I'm ready for five today. All right. All right. James chapter five. Let's, you know what? Let's go. Let's go and do four. Going back to four. Let's go back to four. I ain't, I, I'll just be ready. I'm just ahead of the game. Amen. All right. James chapter four, verse one. Go ahead. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Mm-hmm. Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you? Stop. Me and Jackie, we just talked about that. What causes that problem between us? Lust of flesh, lust of eye, pride of life. Envy, jealousy, causes strife. Envy, I want what you have. Or it starts with jealousy. I I want what you have, or I'm jealous of what you have, or you shouldn't have what you have. That's envy. And then eventually, if I don't check my envy, then it goes to coveting. That means I want to take what you have. And coveting will get you killed. Okay? You should not have a coveting spirit. When somebody has something that you desire, all you need to do, if it's, if it's meant for you to have, ask God. Ask God if you really believe you want it. Because see, sometimes you don't know what that person had to go through to get what they got. And you're not willing to suffer like they suffer. I can tell y'all that with, with what I do. There's many people who want to be preachers and pastors and whatever y'all want to call them. But they're not willing to do what I did to get here. They're not willing to go go through what I went through to get here. They're not willing to sit under the teacher in the adverse conditions like a penitentiary to get the word of God purely and sit there under a young person and get it and then come out and deal with this world out here. They're not willing to do that. They're not willing to study five and six and seven hours a day. They just want to get it and go. Because they think there's some greatness to this. But there's great responsibility. So when you see somebody with something, don't sit there and, and be so to the point that you like, okay, I want a nice house. Okay, everybody wants a nice house. But sometimes you look at that big house with them big cars and them big mansions, they come with big notes. The bigger the house, the bigger electric electric bill. Okay? So, and they got a pool, that stuff ain't free. When I had an in-ground pool in my house, in the summertime, my electric bill used to run me $800 a month on a good month, okay? We had it to give, but you know what I'm saying? It was relative to what money we made. But the thing about it is, I look at it like this. I bless you for what God has given you because what that shows me, God is a giver of good gifts. And whatever God gives you, he gave it to you because he wanted to. And I don't need to covet your gift. Even in the church, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a purpose, as me and Jack were talking about. 
And now you don't need to covet nobody else's gift. And you don't need to look at somebody. And we and walk through y'all good at that. Of not doing that. Meaning that nobody walks in here no more. Everybody, ooh, they so spiritual. They so this, they so that. They so anointed. Everybody who calls on the name of Jesus Christ and accepts him as Lord and Savior is anointed. It's not more anointing. It's anointing. What you may have is an assignment that requires you to use your anointing in a different way. But it's not better because the Bible tells us that every part of the body is needed and the parts that you don't pay no attention to is needed the most. Let me tell you something. Try to walk without your big toe and you'll find out what I'm talking about. Try to walk without your big toes. You, you find yourself not being able to walk very well. Okay? You can adjust, but your big toe don't get no credit for nothing. You know? And really, your pinky toe don't get any credit for nothing. But you need your big toe. Try to do some stuff without some thumbs. Mm. Next time you put on your clothes, try to button your buttons with just these four. You got four fingers and one thumb, and let you lose your thumb. You can lose one of these fingers and still do everything you need to do. But you use that, lose that thumb, takes on a whole nother, nother matter. And that's what we have to do. We have to respect everybody in the body of Christ for what the gift that they're given. And our job is in church is to do one thing. Bring the person in, get them, get them started in the word of God, and let God reveal to them their gift. And then our job is to promote their gift. Encourage them with even to the even if it means taking my place. What I mean is if somebody walks in here and shows me that, that that God shows me that they are supposed to be the next pastor, my job is not to be jealous. My job is not to hate on them. My job is not to worry. My job is to get in line. That was the problem with Saul. Saul knew his time was up. My bishop used to say this, and it's so true. It's one thing to be fired by God. It's another thing to be fired by God and not know it. Saul knew it, but he didn't want to let go. You got to make room for the next generation. That's why I encourage freedom in them. This y'all church. This y'all church. Whatever walk of truth will become in the next decade, it's going to be on them. We've opened it up and say, y'all can do what you want to do as long as it's biblical. I ain't got no problem. The expression is not my problem. You see, we listen to rap music on Sunday. Uh, we can do that. We flexible like that. But it's still got to be biblical. See, I'm listening to the lyrics. I love the beat, but I'm listening to, okay, what is he saying? Okay, it's, what he's saying is it hinges generation, but it's biblical. I can get with that. Okay? But the key is, what causes quarrels is that we sit back and look at somebody and, and say, God, they don't deserve it. I did. God, why you do that to them and didn't give it to me? Or you tell a lie and say, I did it the right way and I deserved it. And that's the sad part about it is because we fool ourselves when we think we've done everything right. Because the Bible, what does the Bible say about our works? Filthy rags. So even when I say I'm doing right, I'm wrong. I just I done made it filthy because in my arrogance, in my pride of life, I want to say, God, you made a mistake. Because see, if I say, God, you made a mistake, think about this. Where does that go back to? Where, where, who's the ultimate person that said God made a mistake? No, Satan didn't say he made a mistake. Who said he made a mistake? You, 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 Adam. Adam. What did he say? It's the woman. Hold up, God. Hold up, God. You put me in charge. I'm responsible. But God, I didn't tell you to put me to sleep. And I didn't tell you to take my rib. And I didn't tell you 
that it was not good for man to live alone. You did this because she made a mistake. He didn't want to take responsibility. You see, he didn't want to take responsibility. That's what causes quarrels. When you don't take responsibility for your own actions, it causes quarrels. When you blame everything else outside of you, that's why the Bible's clear on this. When you sin, drawn away, it is you. It is not the demons. It is not the devil. It is not the imps. It is not all. It's you. If you are drawn away from God, like the Bible says, and you're drawn away, you're drawn away by your own lust and desires. We already read that in James. It's you. You have to take responsibility. It's not the imps. It's not the devil. It's not the demons. But they have a part in it. They can not really. They tempt you and all of that, and you decide. To Hold on. Oh, this is the thing. Okay. The Bible says that the devil deals with principalities and powers in high places, right? Yes. My point is this. I need to change governments to control y'all. I need to change education systems to control y'all. Individuals are making decisions and blaming them. But you can't do that because he squarely says, it's you that has fallen. It is you that has failed. Even God didn't let them blame the devil. God said, no, the devil had his part. I'm going to get to him. But you didn't, like you said, I'm going to go back to what you said. You didn't have to. And that's the part. You didn't, he didn't have to because God already told him what not to do. Don't eat, no touch, don't smell. Leave that tree alone. You can eat up everything else. But we love the what? Forbidden fruit, no. We love, see the fall made us love it even more. We love messing with people we ain't supposed to be messing with. We love having sex with people we ain't supposed to be having sex with. We love hanging out with people we ain't supposed to be hanging out with. We love doing everything that's forbidden. And God said, y'all can have this whole smorgasbord. No, I want this one thing right here that I ain't supposed to have. No, I want this. I want your wife. I want your husband. I want your pastor. That's what causes quarrels. And what happens is with the demons... And the imps, all they do sometimes is sit back and just let you do what you decided to do. And what they do is put in your mind that it's okay. Oh, God. That's what, that's what the devil did to Adam. You won't, what did he tell the woman? What did he tell the woman? Did God really say? Yeah. Did God say what he said? Did he really mean what you mean? And you won't surely die. Yeah. And then when she bit it and didn't die, he said, see? But they had no concept of what death was. Because no one had ever died before. And no, they didn't die physically on the spot. But guess what? They died spiritually. The connection was broken. So was uh, Adam trying to blame God or uh, uh, Satan? No, he didn't blame Satan. He blamed God. That's what I'm saying. He was trying to blame God because all you you have to remember this. Even if you blame Satan. You gave me this and you gave me that. I didn't ask for this. Right. Even if you blame Satan. Think about the ultimate. Y'all got to go beyond just the point of contact and play it out logically. Even if he blames Satan, who's he ultimately blaming? Right. He's still going back blaming God. Why? Because God not get it. No, 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 no. If he's blaming Satan for his choice, uh -huh. who is he still ought to be blaming? Himself. No. Eve, he's still no. blaming If he's still blaming Satan, the third party, for his choice, who is he ultimately blaming? God. God created who? Satan. Satan was an angel. So what you're saying is because Satan's fallen and you fell for his fallenness, he gets the blame. 
But see, anytime that we blame outside of ourselves, what we're doing is saying we don't want to take responsibility for our actions. Anytime you go devil, imps, all the other outside of you parties, you're not lined up with the word of God. It says when you're drawn away, when you're drawn away, when you're drawn away, you're drawn away by the lust of the eye, the lust of the, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's you. The problem is you. The problem is not external. The problem is your heart has been damaged. And your mind hasn't been renewed. So it's always haven't you met people who blame everybody but themselves? Now, think about this. They're not stable-minded, are they? Because no matter what they go through, it's always somebody else's fault. It's never their decision. There's somebody I know right now, 50-something years old. Everything that goes wrong in their life, they blame whatever's going on. But they never say. I asked them one day, I said, will you ever take responsibility for whatever happens to you? Are you still talking about what happened to you when you was a child and you didn't get the silver spoon in your mouth? Really? You 50? For real? Tell me that ain't so. Tell, tell me you're not still telling me stories about your mama and what your mama did to you when you was 11. You 53 years old. Let it go. You're saying the bad decisions you make now are based upon your mom not loving you the way you thought when you was 11. My point is to challenge your thinking. You didn't know it wasn't right until you got older. Because at 11, you were just, I mean, the mom wasn't doing nothing. It's just that she didn't love me like the rest of the kids. So you make these bad decisions for the rest of your life. From 11 to 53, every bad decision is based upon some external thing that happened to you when you was 11. That, that's, that's a sick way to live. That's a sick way to live. That's an ignorant way to live, and that's a sick way to live. Grow up. Stop. Why do you think he renews his mercies every morning? So you don't have to live out your past all the time. He gives you grace and mercy every day you wake up and you're going to sit here and say, I'm going to take the day, the grace and mercy of the day and complain about what happened yesterday. Why? Why? We can move on from that. Is it going to be hard? Of course it is. Because we're made up of the sum of our experiences. But in that, when we don't take responsibility, that causes a problem. Because when I don't take responsibility, I may blame Jackie for something that's really my fault. And now me and her at odds with each other. Think about it with your situation. Somehow eventually it's going to be your fault. And it's not your fault. And nothing to do with you. People will put on you some things that will cause you to want to knock them in the head. Right? Amen. That you know you ain't had nothing to do with. Well, you should have told me not to do this. You grown. Now, if I would have told you not to, you'd have told me how grown you were. Okay, so I'm gonna let you grown self make your grown decisions, and I'm not gonna let you blame it on me. I can hang around people who don't take responsibility for their action, because I believe you take responsibility for me. Whatever I fall, I fall, and I ask God to forgive me. I don't sit there and blame it on nobody. I blame it on myself. Whatever I do wrong, I blame it on myself, because I had a choice. And you know what? The older I get, the more I realize that it's hard in this sense because sometimes doing what God tells me to do ain't no fun. Mm -hmm. Just simple as that. It's not fleshly. It doesn't please my senses at the time. So, you know, I have to grow out of that in time. All right? Yeah. Go ahead and read. You desire and you do not have. Mm -hmm. so or everything you, you want, you don't have. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So you murder. So you murder. 
So this desire, me, Jack, we talk about this. The desire leads to murder. Killing someone unjustly. Because you desire. You covet, you want what they want. You're not, a co you're not in a covenant with your friend. You covet them. Mm -hmm. The most dangerous so-called friends you got is ones who want what you have. I'm going to say it again. Most dangerous so-called friends you have are the ones who want what you have. You're not in a covenant relationship like uh, David and uh, boy name? Jonathan. Thank you. You're not in a covenant. You remember when she was reading about David and Jonathan made this covenant? I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. We're going to be friends forever. That's a covenant relationship. My, my message yesterday was about a covenant relationship. That I have friends and I have y'all. I'm in a covenant with you guys. I don't covet with you. It's a privilege to be your pastor. It's a privilege to have my friends. Okay? My real friends. But there are people, believe it or not, who want what you have. And they call themselves your friend. Because the way to get what you have is as close to you as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, they smile in your face. All the time they want to what? Take your place. The backstabbers. Huh? They real. It's really, they real. They yeah. real. The backstab is the one who smile on your face, stab you in the back, and commit murder on you. Yeah. And murder is simply don't think always murder is blood. Think of just taking something out of your life, something that there's value to your life that they want to take and extract from you, so you can suffer. Or they just they don't even care if you suffer or not. They just want to take it from you. They won't give what you got. All right, go ahead. You covet and cannot obtain, mm -hmm. so you fight and quarrel. Mm -hmm. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have what you want because you're asking the wrong person. So it's more than just you're not asking. You're asking the wrong person. You want peace? Why would you go to somebody that starts war? You want love? Why do you want somebody who spills hate? You want money? Why are you going to talk to a broke person? That's what's funny to me. Five broke people get together talking about money. <laughs> Can't do nothing for each other, but, but massage each other's back. If you want money, you need to get somebody who got some money and learn what it took to get the money because you might decide, guess what, you know what? I'm so comfortable being broke, I don't want to go through all that. I'm cool. Right where I'm at. It's no denigration to it. You're going to have rich and poor. The Bible says the poor you're going to have with you always. It's not a denigration, but it's just some people think that if they could just get some more money, they're going to be all right. That's a lie. Because without God, you're going to lose it. Trust me, I did. Okay? So think about that. Go ahead. You don't ask. Go ahead. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. See? To spend it on your passion. See? Now we go back to lust of fresh, the pride of life. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? There we go, Jackie. Don't you know that being a friend in the world is your enemy of God? Don't you know that the, being friends with this world and the world system is not the world of dirt? It's the world system, the American system, that if you are friends with it, the covenant with it, covenant, covenant, not covet, that you have a covenant with the world system, that you are an enemy of God? Because the world system tells you to covet everything. I can do it. Me, mine, I. Give me more. Give me more. Until it runs across the floor. Give me more. That's the world we live in now. 
Knowing that we can't afford more, that's why credit card companies get rich off of you with the interest they charge because all they hope you do is make the minimum payment every month. You make a $30 payment, you find only $2 went towards your principal. That's how they get you because you want to live beyond your means. Or you don't, you want to live beyond your means on credit when if you just go get some more education, you can have a job and have more money. The one thing about our society right now, I will tell you this, women, since I'm in here with you, this is the excellent time to be a woman in America. There's nothing that you can't do. They got a program for all of y'all somewhere. You go back to school, you got children, they got a program for it. <laughs> now, there's a plot to that now. There's a plot to that. Don't, don't get me wrong, my sisters. There's an evil plot to that. But the thing about it is you just take advantage of it and do good by it. That's what you need to do. You need to do good by the plot. And why? Since because they're not giving it to your man. And then often all these progress is the brothers getting out of penitentiary. You know what I'm saying? They offer it to you. So your man become obsolete in your life. All I'm saying is, in light of things, take advantage of it. Understand it's a plot, but you can turn around and do good. Because once you finish school and get all your master's degrees and working at Pepsi and, and, and Nestle and all the big companies, you making your money, turn around and say, baby, you want to go to school? See, they can't stop you from sending him to school. Because the money, this free money is for you to not need him. But so you have to have a mature mind to, say, to understand what you said and utilize it. I would tell any woman right now with children, the money's out there for you. The money's out there for you. I just saw something on the news the other day where disabled vets get free stuff to start businesses. And don't nobody even know about it. This lady started a whole business over in St. Charles. Everything she got is free. So what I'm saying to you is you need to do this, but you ask wrongly because all you want to do is satisfy your flesh for a little while. Give me a couple hundred dollars so I can buy some drugs. Give me a come up so I can go buy me some liquor. Satisfy for a moment. And then you wonder why you messed up because you asked and missed. That's not God. The devil will allow you to get stuff to please your flesh because every time you please your flesh, you get further and more, further away from Jesus. Further and further away. That's why it tells us to sanctify ourselves. That's why we fast. The point of fasting is to deny yourself. What did the Bible say about denying yourself? What did he say? What did the Bible say about denying yourself? Anybody picked it up? What does the Bible say about denying yourself? He said, Deny yourself in what? Pick up your cross and follow me. He wants us to deny ourselves, pick ourselves, pick up the cross and follow him. It's a denying of your flesh. What he's talking about denying yourself, deny the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the, and the lust of the eye. Deny those things and follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus wholeheartedly, you'll find out that you don't need those things as much. You don't need 25 pairs of tennis shoes when four will do. Okay? You don't need 100 suits when four will do. I ain't telling you live like on one suit and one pair of tennis shoes. All I'm saying is, is that you don't need as much as you think you got. Everybody in this room, you know, they got a house, probably got a TV in almost every room. You can only watch one TV at a time. Why? We become so enamored by technology. I got a good television in my basement that I can't get rid of. Because it's not a flat screen. And I'm like, but this would be a good TV if, a kid, if you had kids. 
because they couldn't knock it over. It works. It has, at the time, it was the latest TV of its time, so it has all the plug-ins. Video, cable, all of that. VCR, all of it, because my dad didn't buy nothing but top-of-the-line stuff. And it didn't get played much for about a decade. Okay? So it's still good. It turns on immediately, sound quality. The sound quality on that TV is better than my flat screen. But I can't give it away. Because nobody wants it because it's not a flat screen. I'm like, but if you don't have a television, I'll just wait and get a flat screen. I'm giving it to you. And like I said, for somebody who has family and kids, you know, kids bump up against flat screens and knock them down because they, they ain't made of nothing. You ain't knocking down this TV. If it's on the stand, you ain't moving it. That thing is every bit of 45 pounds. Okay? Big back in the back, you know. But again, people don't want it. I'm trying to give it away. I'm trying to give it away. So it causes quarrels. We ask amiss. We don't ask according to the word of God. We always ask for something to please our flesh. And we got to bring it under control. Go ahead, read. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, Jack, we just talked about that. Whoever. Read that again. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever decides, this is a decision. Whoever has the desire, wish, to make themselves friends with what? The world, the system, and all that it offers, you are an enemy of God. Okay? And upon your decision to, to, to do that, God can turn you over to your own lusts and desires. That's in Romans 1. And you become a reprobate. And if you become a reprobate, you can still live on the earth. But your destiny is hell. Because you rejected God's love. Okay? Go ahead. Verse 5. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Think about what now, Jackie. This, this, now this gets to the, the matter. He, will you read that again? He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. He yearns jealously. Now, we know jealousy on our side is a sin, right? But God's jealousy is righteousness. What he's trying to say is he gets upset with what he puts in you and you neglect it. When you hamper the Holy Spirit. When you kind of douse the flame that's in you by sinning. He yearns jealous. It's a righteous jealous. You know, it's a righteous indignation. He is sovereign. He is holy. He's saying, for what I give you, I get upset with my children. Do not do what they're supposed to do with what I gave them. My children. Because it got to be his children because he said the spirit I put in you. And he's writing to the, the, to the saved folk that are dispersed. <coughs> so this is not to the unsaved. This is to the saved. You can quit. We can quench the spirit, right? Yeah. And that's what he's saying here. He says, you know what? I'm going to put this in you and you guys are just sitting on me. Scared. And I know what you're scared of. I, I do. I was talking to Tanika about this. She had some time with God all by herself. Her children were gone. And she didn't know what to do with herself. Because she's a mom and she's an active mom and she does a lot of stuff, a radio show and all that stuff. She helps me and does a whole bunch of great things for people. She has two podcasts. And she could be on, 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 on all these live things. 
but she got time to be by herself. And, and again, we talked about it yesterday. She got nervous. She got nervous because she wasn't going and coming. And when she got nervous, her mind began to drift towards the flesh. Instead of just sitting still and spending time with God. You ain't always got to be running, saints. Sit down and let God talk to you. But I know you're scared because you're scared what God's going to tell you. <laughs> so God, you know what? I'm going to go on. I'll be right back. I'm going to do this over here. God said, no, I, I got rid of everybody so you can spend some time with me. But no, no, no. And then when she said, well, God, what I'm going to do now, take some, so by myself, I'm going to go get drunk. Because you're scared to spend time with the Holy One. Because you know he's going to tell you some stuff about you that you don't want to hear. But think about this. The minute that you get with the Holy One of God that loved you enough to die for you, he's not only trying to tear you down, he wants to tell you, I understand. But I want you to go a different way. And I want to rewrite your story. The thing that you was embarrassed by the most can end up being the greatest testimony for how much I love you. But you got to sit with God to get that. The thing that embarrassed you the most, the thing that embarrassed you the most, the thing that embarrassed everybody in this room the most, that thing that you don't, you don't even like to talk about can be the thing that gets somebody saved. God can rewrite the script. You go from being a zero to a hero based upon your testimony. That's why I marvel at everything that y'all go through because I'm saying I can't wait to God rewrite the script. I want to read the, the, the edited version. Amen. Just not the first write. I want to read, look at the rewrite. And if you let God rewrite it, he'll turn that thing that was your most disastrous, the most turmoil, the most distasteful thing that happened to you and the people that didn't like you, didn't talk about you and scorned you and talked about you behind your back. He'll turn it into a testimony that God will get the praise and the glory because you're going to come out that thing. He can rewrite it. See, I'm not saying this about what I think. I'm a living example of that. I'm a living example of that. That thing that my daughter wrote is a living example of, of God doing that for me. I don't care. Man, look, when she, when I, when I, when she texted me that this morning, I just got on my knees and started praising God. Because you know why? That's the one thing I wanted. But I didn't give them while they were young. I gave them money. I gave them things. But I was not the spiritual head of my house because we didn't have no spiritual head. We just wanted to achieve education. Okay, good. But I had no balance. So what I asked for God, I was asking Miss because all I wanted to do, I thought having more and doing more and being a boss was it. Little did I know, without God, it's nothing. Okay, I asked the Miss because I didn't ask nothing for God to help God's people, to help God's way. I didn't care. You couldn't pay. I'd rather put somebody come to me talking about if they want some money for a church, I just write them a check and tell them to get out of my office. Here. Crooked preachers. That was my mindset. Now look at them. I'm here. And I can't get a quarter. <laughs> well, I tell you, God got a sense of humor, don't he? Don't he? I mean, for real. But that's just, hey, I accept that. And compared to what I had, compared to what I have now, I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. I'd rather be like I am now. I just ask God sometimes, why didn't you do it sooner? He said, because if I did it sooner, you wouldn't be. I wouldn't appreciate it. All right, go ahead, read. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So now, now think about this. His opposition is to the people who love the world. His opposition is the ones who have the pride of life. And his love and his, and his focus is on those who will bend the knee. Some of you are one bended knee away from experiencing God. I know you pray standing up. Remember I told y'all that last week? I, used to, I do that, pray, walk around, bring you guys to praise. Some hit me and say, you know what? Get on your knees. So yes, I had to get the pillow. <laughs> hey, and do it on something I can, you know, pull myself up again by. But I did it. And I just stayed there until God moved. And what he said was, it's not really the position, it's the humbling of your heart. Demonstrating the fact that you're willing to be uncomfortable to talk to me. See, I talk to God comfortably. I lay in my bed sideways. Hey, God, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, my mind going, I'd be talk, thinking about everything else. Drift off into another, or drift to sleep. But sometimes you just need to get a little uncomfortable physically so that, that you can be still, so you can hear from God. All right? So he opposes the proud. Opposes means he's at war with the proud. But the proud can't feel it because he gives more grace. That's the, that's, the, that's the whole mind melding blows my mind that even with the proud, he gives them grace to try to give them the chance to change their mind. God opposes the proud. It's in the, it's in the, the proud. And he said he gives more grace. Well, who does he give more grace to? Those who need it. Why don't I need grace if you don't need it? You've conquered some things. I don't need, you don't need grace in that area anymore. You just need to, to own up to your responsibility. And I'm going to give you some more grace in it if you fail at it. But, you know, there's some people who need a little bit more grace than you. And you need to give them that grace sometimes. Sometimes you, you're the dispenser of that grace that God wants to give somebody else, that mercy that God wants to give somebody else. Like this past Sunday when that young man was here at Sunday. Remember that young man was sitting in the back and he came and talked to me? Okay. I could tell that, that, that he had some issues, but I knew that I didn't have time because of the fact we had to leave. But I know what he wanted. What did he want? Some money. So I reached into my wallet and gave him the $21 that I had. But I told him this, stay for the next service and they can help you. So I don't know if they gave him stuff out of the food pantry. I don't know. But the, but the, the thing about it is be willing to give somebody something. Is that the same guy who came in Bible study that day? No. That guy who came to Bible study was bigger than me and taller than me. No, 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 no. You would know, the guy from Bible study, you would know the minute he walked through that door. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that was just a poor person? Just so he, lived, he said he lived in the neighborhood. He used to go to his church. Oh, That's what he told me. Oh. That's what he told me. Oh. You know, and I'm like, okay, I don't know. So I'm like, they'll be there getting ready to crank up. So, hey, you can see the pastor and all that, but here's what I can give you. Got it. Okay. okay? Oh. All right, go ahead, Reed. Seven. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the only way to fight the devil is what? To submit yourself to God, right? Yeah. Is that what it says? Yeah. So how do we interpret that into our mind? How do we, okay, it says submit yourself to God, and, it say and, resist the devil? Period, resist the devil. So submit yourself to God, and what else it say? Resist the devil. So don't say and, it say resist yourself, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, period, right? Mm -hmm. Submit yourself submit to God. Submit yourself to God, period. Submit yourself to God, period. 
resist the devil, devil, period. Comma. Comma. Okay. And he shall. And he will flee from. And him. he'll flee. So if we submit ourselves to God, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then that brings about an action from the devil of fleeing, right? So if that's the case, then talking about I'm gonna stomp on the devil's head don't mean nothing to the devil, right? Yeah. That don't mean nothing. All the little things that we do in church towards the devil, it don't mean nothing. The devil ain't scared of nothing. Of that. Yeah. He said, resist. How do we now? The question has to be, how do we what? Resist the devil by submitting ourselves to God. So our question is, how do we display submission to God? By being obedient to what he said. So you can defeat the devil by just walking your life as a Christian. You ain't got to talk about I'm stepping on the devil's head. The devil laughing at you. That's a physical act. If it was that simple of us walking around talking about we stepping on the devil's head, he'd have been defeated a long time ago. But that's the stuff we do in church because it makes us feel good. It's emotional. Okay? Jesus did the bruising. Jesus did the dying. I think Jesus is the one that's going to defeat the devil in the end. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, I think I think this that's one of them wars that, that, that we are pawns in, but we're not the generals, okay? He is. All we need to do is do our part in humble, humble ourselves before God. Do what God say. That's what it means. When humble means just do what God say. Instead of what you want to do, do what God say and see what happens. Trust God. Put him to the test. See what happens. It may happen instantly. It may take a while. You know? I just tell it like this. It took me 40, almost 40, 44 years to wake up. So when y'all don't wake up, it don't bother me. How can I, I can only, I can only get mad at you if you've been in it, been after 44 years. So right. that's the only way I can get mad at you. After that, if you go to 45, then I can get mad at you. But other than that, I got to give you grace because he gave me grace. That's why I'm glad he did wait so long because I, because ain't no sense of me getting mad with, with, with who don't come to church, with who come to church, who don't come to Bible study. Man, I don't recur. I care, but I don't. God say, teach the ones who come. I don't care if it's all. I'm going to have the baddest females on the planet. Okay? I'm going to have my lionesses ready to get go. Okay? I'm going to put my lionesses up against any man preacher on the planet because they know the word of God. I put you, man, I would dare somebody invite us to a Bible trivia. Yeah, we eat them up. Or a discussion on the word of God. That's why people run away from us because we're heavily in the word. We're not heavily into the mysticism. And in the water and, the, and all the chanting. We ain't into that. We listening to what you're saying. And if it don't back up to the word of God, we know just to get rid of it. We don't have to be rude about it. We just look at you. Can I say something like that? Yes, ma'am. You sure can. Just based on what you just said before I leave up out. Remember I told you I had um, joined a prayer circle at work. Mm -hmm. And they prayed and come together. And I mean, and we stood to be praying, you know, put people in one thing. But the long story short. I was suspended from my job, remember I told you, because a couple of days, because of, and I found out who it was, but I didn't expose the people that I found out. And then the person, when they see me, they thought they seen the ghost against her, they thought I was really going to have to just say, I probably lost my job, but I found out that she was saying, and I can't remember, she was talking about, you know, but God talked about witchcraft, 
She was talking about how she could put a hex on somebody and do this and that. Things about the witchcraft type things. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really talking to her. And this was like a conversation. Like if I'm talking to you about the word of God, you might be somewhere in hearing me, but I didn't know you was there. So you go to the property manager and say that you and I had a conversation about the word of God. And I never, I don't even know you. So you got offended by what I was saying because I was speaking the truth. Because, you know, we was talking about in the book of James or wherever we was talking about. Whatever book, whatever it was, I know I was right on what I was saying. So she took offense of it because she studied voodoo or whatever she studied. So why don't you allow me about that? But I forgive her and I just move on because now I'm on the other side of the building. So they took me from that side. And I can't go to the press office anymore either. Well, praise God. I mean, God will expose those who have called themselves your friend to be your enemy. You know, and a witch is truly your enemy of any kind. I don't care what what brand of witchcraft they practice, but they're your enemy because they are followers of Satan. Okay? Even good witches, they are followers of Satan. There ain't no such thing. And he kept telling me, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, a mother might, he called me uh, uh, Mother 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 and I'm like, I don't know what she taught me. I cannot grasp it for her. And then I had to think about God just calm me down. And I had to think about a conversation I had with this young lady that called me Mama. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've been working with her, you know, this sharing the word of God. And this person happened to be on the side and was listening. But I heard her say something, and I and I was telling the girl, and I said, that's witchcraft. So she must have took offense to it. Yeah, yeah. and that's fine. We expose a witch. That's fine. They're going to take offense. We don't expect them to go, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, read. We almost done for the day. Draw near to God, and draw. he will draw near to Woo. you. Draw near to God, and he will. Not maybe, not probably, not on your best day or your worst day, not after you say a bunch of Hail Marys, not after you come to church. He <laughs> says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's a, it's a, it's a private thing between you and God. It had nothing to do with church. And coming to fellowship with us. Is it good that we fellowship? Of course it is because the Bible tells us so. But your relationship with God is so personal, so idiosyncratic to you. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That is so simple. But the question is, how do I draw near to him? Well, you draw near to him by being obedient to him. You draw near to him by asking the right things, the right way. You draw near to him by worshiping him in spirit and in truth. When we say spirit and truth, we say it so glibly. Spirit and truth, nieces, all it means is this. You come to God with what's true about you. And then you know the truth about him. That's how you draw near to him. You want to draw near to God, just call, go to God and say, you know, I'm torn from the floor. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. I covet, I don't like, I do this, I do that. Tell him the truth. He already knows. <laughs> Not the general, I'm just a sinner. No, I'm telling you, you be specific yes, with God. Specific. God will be specific with you in his answer. And his, and his bringing you up. That's humbling. And you know it's humbling. That's why you don't want to spend no time with him. Because you, you, you just want to go and find him. God, I'm a sinner. Can you help me? God said, no, that's why I got you here for 30 minutes with me and you. Tell me some more. <laughs> well, what you want me to tell you? Just tell me the truth. I'm not surprised. I'm not amazed. I'm not going to send you to hell. I've already saved you. That's a done deal. But I want to sanctify you. The only way I can sanctify you is you participate in understanding. My relationship with you is so precious and so pure that to draw near to me is just be truthful with me. God, I'm a sinner. And this is what I do as my sin. And you'll find out he loves you. He ain't going to do nothing to you. 
He may correct you, but guess what? When you get that weight off of you, of your personal sin, I'm telling you, it's like an anchor that's been lifted off your neck. I'm talking from personal experience. My time, along with God, to get there, I had to say a whole bunch of things that I was ashamed of. But guess what? That put me here. And all I'm saying is, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Go ahead, one more. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we got to purify our hearts, and the only one that can purify our hearts is the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. That's nothing that we actually do. And now he's getting kind of Jewish, Jewishy, because Jewishy had all those rituals where you wash your hands. That's, you know, Adam rituals. But the clear is to purify your heart. The way your heart is get purified is through obeying God, coming near to him. I allow the Holy Spirit through your obedience to the will of God to do the cleansing. God is cleansing you, even though when you don't feel like it. In fact, I talk in the Bible study, God is cleansing you. To have these two young folks in here at Bible study when they can be doing something else is a blessing. You know what I'm saying? It's a blessing. I went to Bible study when I was <laughs> I wouldn't think of, I probably didn't even know what a Bible looked like. It's something that was a piece of decoration on my mama's table. You know, but that's just what it is. But see, you to think about this with God, he has no respect of person, so time in don't mean nothing. Because I'm because what I done seen with people that's being close to God, they don't know nothing. They been going to church all their life and don't know nothing. They don't know nothing about God. They know religion. They know practice. They don't know about God. So God say, when you come, come correct, because I'm not going to elevate the person who's been in a long time. And don't you let them make you feel that they got something that you don't have. Because guess what? You might not want what they got. Because they don't have a relationship with God. You do. That's why we can listen to different forms of worship, as long as it's biblical. I can listen to anything as long as it's biblical. You know? I don't care what kind of beat you put to it. Okay? Expression is one of the most beautiful things of God. And as I've been studying the, the, the ancient Christians, the Ethiopian Christians on Christmas, man, it, a big, beautiful African festival with the drums and all that, hailing in our Jesus. Now, it doesn't look like the one that's being held downstairs with the Catholics. It's uniquely African. But it, we had ours before they had theirs. The Ethiopian eunuchs in the story of Acts. <laughs> Catholicism didn't come for another four or five hundred years. So don't run away from the uniqueness of our worship. All right, go ahead. Verse 9. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against brother against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. See, see the logical progression? He's saying if you speak evil, you judge the thing that is supposed to judge. So you become a judge. You see, it's a progression. That's why I was saying you don't take responsibility, you ought to blame God. If you put it outside of God and blame it on one of God's creatures or creation, you're saying, God, if they weren't created, it wouldn't have happened to me. See the progression. So the progression is when you when I judge you, when I speak evil of you, 
I become a judge of you. And what I'm doing is judging the law that does judge you. And instead of the law judging you to be guilty, I get the nerve of my sinful self and say that you're guilty. And that takes some nerve because the law is holy. The Bible says the law is holy. I'm not. I have no right to judge you to the point of what? You know some jackets, you know this. That's I'm pointing at you. Okay. I can judge something that is wrong, but I can't judge you to the point of, well, yeah, but there's another word I'm looking for, huh? I like that damnation. I'm looking for a C word. Condemnation. I can say it's wrong because it is wrong. But first I have to look for the wrongness of what I'm saying in myself, right? Because the Bible gives us a little parable about that. Before I can remove the thing out of you, I got to look at the thing that's inside of me. And at that point, I can say, hey, yeah, I, that ain't right. You know why I ain't right? Because it wasn't right when I did it. Feel, feel, frown. Understand how you feel? I, I felt the same way till I found out. What you're doing is identifying yourself in their situation of sin and saying, I was there. So you're not judging them outside of the law. You're judging yourself inside the law and saying you don't want them to have to face what you face. So come on, don't you got to do that. Okay? That's what you're saying. That's all you're saying. So no, I don't judge you for whatever you do. If I haven't looked at what I did, and say, you know, think about this. This is how I do it with young, young folks is like this. Old folks, we come down with a whole bunch of stuff, don't we? Don't we? we lay it down. But see, you wasn't born when we was doing the same thing you was doing. When you wasn't born. And maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't do it at the level you did it at. But all you got to do is look around and look at things and say, Is Granny's son, <laughs> but Papa ain't his father. It's good. How did no? I wasn't How did hold on? How, how did that happen? I know. I know. And, and, and all it is is, huh? They were doing the same thing we did. How quickly we forget when we get old and we become saints. Because we want them to see. Think about what my daughter wrote about me. Just think about what she said. Some things I exposed y'all that she said. If you didn't know no better, you would never know that I had another side. Think about when my kids have children, grandchildren, they would think that which is true, got, that got me here that's ugly, is not true. Okay? All they know is they pawpaw a pastor. Yeah. But they pawpaw was a whole bunch of other things that ain't right. Yeah. So what I'm saying to you is, let us not forget what we used to do. So let's not judge the young folk, because they hold on, there's nothing new under the S U N. Not the not son S O N S U N. That means you know what's there's nothing new under the sun. Meaning that God created the sun higher than man. There's nothing on this earth that's been done that ain't been done before. So don't sit there and judge them as if you have. Don't make them feel that you ain't never done it. Identify with them. I, you do better get across to them. And I think why well, I me and her have a good relationship. I just tell her. She knows some stuff about me. I just like, yeah, I did it. I was thinking about that too because when I was, I'm still a young person, but when I was even younger and I was coming up and I was just not feeling right and just feeling bad about decisions that I made and stuff, I didn't want to, I, I knew God was too far away, but I, 
I thought that God was too far away. And I was so nervous to even talk to any adult because I knew that all the adults I knew was going to punish me first, then would chastise me, then discuss some punishment, then ask me how I felt after. And it was just like, I just kind of wanted somebody that could relate to me who would not feel so much adult, you know? And that's when I met Sutton because I was like, look, I done done like so many bad things and I can't tell my mama because she gonna do this and I can't tell my daddy because I don't want it and I can't tell my cousin because of it and I can't tell my sister. And, and, and that's now I appreciate it because now I can go to God just the same way that I went to him. Like when I was younger and I needed it physically, and I got it. I understand it because now that I'm older and I still need to do that same thing spiritually <coughs> and I'm more I'm more ready to do it. Amen. See? That that that's that the best testimony that could ever be given to somebody that's willing to listen to you and listen to you work. There's nothing she told me that I hadn't done. In some form or fashion. Maybe not the way she did it. And that's what makes me about me. I just sit there. I start laughing, like, because you're like, I don't, and I don't want, and I don't want to be respectful. And I, I said, just tell me like it is. Trust me. There's nothing that you're about to tell me that I haven't participated in at some level at some time in my life. So no, you're not gonna have. If God ain't scared of you, I ain't scared of what you're gonna say because I'm His representative and a unique representative because I don't have this. I'm so holy, and you ain't. What I have is. I'm so flawed and I don't know why God picked me. <laughs> me and God had a discussion all the time. Why did you pick me? Why? Because I wouldn't have picked me. But then God showed me all the men in the Bible, they all had flaws. Yeah. Every last one of them, other than Jesus. And that's the beauty of this thing of walking with Christ. Christ already knows. So now what she's saying is, she can come to me, I'm still here, but she ain't got to come to me. And that's my whole goal in this. Is to get y'all. If you want to come, come. But you can go to God yourself. You don't need an intermediary. He is. Jesus is your intermediary. He's sitting on the right hand side of God. Having all power. Interceding on your behalf. You don't need me. You need the Holy Spirit to say, go ahead. Go to God. Go ahead. Go to God. Go ahead. Go to God. And you need the pastor and the church members to say you go to God. He, gonna, he, he, he ain't going to bite. And if he do, it's going to be for your good. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for the testimonies and the word that went forth today at this Bible study. Lord, I just thank you for this congregation as we continue to grow in the knowledge and the spirit of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Marvin's recovery. We look forward to Mother Goldson's full recovery. Lord, we look forward to those who are hurting to come into this congregation and truly know the truth about God. Lord, we want to preach a balanced gospel to know your wrath and to know your love. That to escape the wrath of God, we must obey you and love you as you want us to. Not the way our imagination says. Lord, it's a long journey. And it's a very short time. But Lord, for whatever time that we left on this earth, we're going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And we want to bless every family member that's represented here. It's in Jesus' name I pray.